It is Bombs Away. Hi, I'm CJ Baumgartner, your host of this Bombs Away, a Minnesota Twins podcast, and the Twins are making some moves. This offseason hasn't been uh, as exciting yet, maybe, as most Twins fans want it to be because Carlos Correa is still out on the open market, but the Twins have made just enough moves to keep things interesting outside of the shortstop front and the breaking news obviously over the last 24 hours is that the twins have signed Christian Vasquez to a three-year 30 million dollar contract and we're going to break that all down along with uh, talking more of the latest Carlos Correa rumors uh, a little bit of conflicting reports we're going to talk about that as well a little bit later in the podcast but first I think I want to touch on Christian Vasquez and what this means for the Minnesota Twins because I think shortstop is number one obviously like if they're if the Minnesota Twins if Derek Falvey, Thad Levine, Dave St. Peter, the Pole Lads and Rocco they all sat in a room and they said gentlemen what is our offseason priorities list number one on a bullet shortstop figuring out the shortstop position are we re-signing Carlos Correa are we bringing in Dansby Swanson you know Xander Bogarts Trey Turner those guys are off the board but you get my point like what are they going to do at shortstop that's clearly number one the priority, but as we learned at the end of last season, this Twins team has a few holes in it and has some places that they can surely patch up, and one of those spots was catcher, and catcher was the position that I think outside of shortstop needed the most attention, because you have Ryan Jeffers, who I think is solid, I think when he's on, I think he's a very above average catcher, but I'm not necessarily ready to give Ryan Jeffers 90% of the starts and bring back Sandy Leone and have him catch maybe like 10 to 15% of the games this season. That's not quite how things were going to shake out. And even if the Twins did like Jeffers, or I mean, they do like Jeffers, but even if the Twins were more confident in Jeffers, maybe that's the right way to phrase it. Even if the Twins were more confident in, in Ryan Jeffers being the guy, it's still not quite how the Twins have operated behind the plate. If you remember, uh, in, uh, 2018, Jason Castro and Mitch Garver split time. Uh, if you look at, uh, I'm trying to think of who the backup catcher was in 2017. That that escapes me for whatever reason. But Jason Castro was the guy at catcher. And then in 2018, 2019, he split time with Mitch Garver. They were basically co-oping that position in a way like Luis Arise and Jonathan Scope were doing at second base throughout the year uh, before Arise really kind of took that spot over for for the time being. But the point is, the Twins like to co-op the catcher position. That is one especially. And when you look at how just tough the catcher spot is to play, uh, like just gone are the days of Joe Maurer where he's going to catch every single game except for the Sunday afternoon game, in which case Mike Redman is going to take his place and hit third because you don't want to disrupt the lineup. That's that 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 way of thinking just isn't going to stick anymore and i think for the right reason i think actually it's a good idea to bring in to avoid the a catcher and bring in two b catchers and have them just kind of fight it out because the rule of baseball is there's just a lot of chaos that can happen throughout a season so if ryan jeffers goes down like he did in 2022 and misses most of the second half of the season, you don't have to play Gary Sanchez as your everyday catcher. I think as soon as the, like, I remember when he went down first, it's like, okay, like, let's see how Gary Sanchez holds up. He's been maligned as a full-time catcher and, and let's give him a chance. And then after like a weekend, you're like, oh my gosh, like Ryan Jeffers, man, is there a way like you can just catch with one hand? 
I mean, it wasn't good. And so the Twins realized that. That's why Gary Sanchez was never even thought of being brought back. Uh, so I think Fal- Falvey and Levine were actually talking about getting a new catcher while he was still on the roster, like before the season even ended. So they had made the decision a long time ago that Gary Sanchez was not going to come back and be a Minnesota twin. And you need to get a guy who can do a, can do a few things. You need a guy who's going to be durable because you need a guy who can play if Jeffers can't. Not saying that Jeffers is injury prone, but catchers get hurt because they're crouching the entire time. They got to deal with a lot of nicks and bruises and that can kind of add up as the season goes on. Uh, So you need a guy who's durable. You need a guy who can play the position. You need an above average catcher. You need a guy who, if you have to have him for the second half of the season on his own, you're at least confident that he can hold down the fort to the best of his abilities and you can stay competent at the catching position. And you need a guy who can defensively play the position of catcher because Gary Sanchez as a hitter was fine, but Gary Sanchez as the full-time catcher, this isn't to rag on Gary Sanchez, but this is just because it's still fresh in my mind uh, from the last season. So that's what the Twins really needed to look at. And I think Christian Vasquez gives them all three. One, I know $10 million a year sounds like a lot of money, but Miguel Sano was making $10 million a year towards the end. So, like, in terms of payroll, it basically doesn't really move the needle for your team. You're not paying him that much money. $10 million for a guy who's going to start a lot of games at catcher for you is the going market. Christian Vasquez is a good catcher. So he's not quite Wilson Contreras. He's not to that higher level. He's not the JT Real Mutos. He's not in that conversation of catcher, but he is in that, he's in that next tier below. So he's in the, he's in the good tier. He's not in the great tier. He's in the good tier of catchers. And for the twins to get him for $10 million a year, It's not a steal, but they didn't overpay for him. I think that's about market value for what a starting catcher is going to make on the open market. So there you go. That's that's the contract. And and uh, Vasquez was looking for a three year deal, according to reports. So that uh, the twins obviously gave him three years. I don't know if the Twins were the first one to give him three years and that's why he accepted. I don't know if it was because the Twins paid more. I don't know if it's because they sold him on the idea of him splitting time with Jeffers. I don't I don't know what quite the thing was that made the Twins more attractive than everyone else. But that being said, Christian Vasquez gets the three-year $30 million deal. So now Vasquez is here. And what can he bring to the table? Well, let's first talk about the durability thing. Because that is important. I mean, the 2022 Twins' uh, lack of durability was almost the... I mean, that sunk their season almost more than anything. Even more than Emilio Pagan. Even more than uh, whatever. Buxton being hurt. Paddock being hurt. Malley getting hurt after acquiring him at the trade deadline. There's a whole bunch of things uh, that play into uh, that narrative. And I know it's not entirely to blame. Uh, The Twins maybe just would have fallen apart anyways but injuries certainly sank. The, the They didn't plug the hole with the waters rushing in uh, uh, on the ship. But can, can Vasquez be durable? That's the question. And I think so. I think he has shown a track record of being durable. Now, early in his career, didn't quite start a ton of games. Now, whether I haven't looked too far back to see if that's just because he didn't quite stick at the big league level yet or if there was injury, missed the, uh, wasn't, uh, didn't play a single game in 2015. 
15 uh, at the catching position. But if you look at Christian Vasquez, he's a guy who plays a lot of games. Jeffers isn't an injury-prone player like we talked about, but he did miss the whole second half because of a broken thumb because... And I can't remember if he got it catching or hitting, but my, the point still stands of there's a chance that that kind of happens in baseball. And Christian Vasquez is able to avoid those more probable than not as I knock profusely on my desk. But uh, if you look at Christian Vasquez, since 2018, he's played over 100 games a season all but one year. So if you look even since 2019, he has always played 100 games a season. And I know 2019 sounds recent, but that was now four full seasons ago. 2019, he played 138 games. In 2020, in the COVID-shortened 60-game season, he played in 47 games. In 2021, he played in 138, tying his career high in 2019. And then in 2022, between the Red Sox and the Houston Astros, he was... They played in 119 games. So he's a guy that has the durability thing. He's a guy that has shown that he can play in a lot of games. And by the way, if you look at his defensive breakdown, a lot of those games were at catcher. In 2022, he played 108 games at catcher. In 2021, he played 132. In 2019, 119. And in 2020, all 42 of his, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, 42 of his 40, as I try and find the number here, as it escapes me, all 42 of his 47 games were at catcher. So he's a guy who plays a lot of the catching position, can play a little bit of second base, can play a little bit of first base. That helps, but that's not necessarily why he's there. Uh, he's there because of his durability. He's a guy who is in the lineup. And as the Twins, uh, Bud, to make a Vikings analogy, Bud Grant, the biggest, uh, the biggest ability is your dependability. I, I don't think that's quite how it goes, but dependability is huge. Just being able to be in the lineup, Christian Vasquez can provide that. Now, as a hitter, Christian Vasquez um, is, he's not, it's, as a catcher, he's a solid hitting catcher. Uh, he's not a guy who's going to be towards the top of the lineup. I know Gary Sanchez got his way up there uh, into those four or five spots every once in a while. Maybe Vasquez does if a matchup's right, but I see Christian Vasquez slotting in that seven, eight, nine spot in the lineup, and that is okay. Because every good team, just as much as they need a good 1, 2, 3, 4 hitter, they also need a good 8 hitter to be good. You need to be good 1 through 9 to make your lineup really important. So uh, he's not an all-worldly hitter, but still for the catching position, very competent. Had a 274 average last season, 315 on base, and 399 slugging. So that gives him uh, about a 714, I think if my math adds up correctly on the uh, OPS. That gives him a 714 OPS. Uh, if you look at his batting average on balls in play, last season it was 310. Uh, and if you look at his war uh, for 2022, according to Fangraphs, 1.6. So he's an above average catcher, an above average starting catcher. And I think that's his biggest thing. He's not going to blow you away. I think he only had nine home runs last season and 52 RBIs. So again, he's not going to be this all-worldly hitting catcher, but he's going to be a guy who can hold his own at the plate and is durable uh, behind it, which is something that the Twins really need. Ryan Jeffers maybe is a better hitter than Christian Vasquez, or at least has the potential to be that, but he can still hold his own. He can still be good. And even though the Twins have two righties, uh, I uh, Vasquez still has a good 
matchup in his career against right against right-handed pitching. If I uh, get the number up in front of me here that talks about the splits for Christian Vasquez against lefties in his career, uh, we have a batting average of 304 for Vasquez. He's a right-handed hitter, that's expected, but a 264 average against righties is pretty good for a for a right-handed hitting catcher. So I'm okay with that. I think that's I think that's fine. I think you can live with that if you're the Twins. So you have the durability you have enough offensive ability to be a competent eight hitter. That's that is fine. You don't again. You don't need this guy to be your all world hitter. You just need him to be able to hold his own at the plate. And I think he proves uh, that he can do that. Sixteen percent strikeout rate is fine too. There's like there's not it's not glaring at you uh, with that. So again, as we take a look here at Christian Vasquez for the Twins and and what this signing means. Um, Taking a look at his baseball savant page, uh, as uh, give it here a second to uh, load on my phone here. But again, Christian Vasquez, a a World Series champion with the Red Sox in 2018. He's a World Series champion with the Astros last season. He's a guy that knows how to win. He's been on winning teams. So he knows what it takes. He knows the level that a World Series caliber team needs to be at. And again, Fangraphs or uh, Baseball Savant just kind of confirms again. He's a guy who doesn't have a ton of he doesn't have a ton of hitting ability. He's a guy who's uh, in the percentiles is there. There's a lot of blue there. But with if you know Baseball Savant, you know a lot of blue isn't exactly the most ideal thing. But the exit velocity is slightly above average. He's very good at putting the ball in plays. We talked about the 16% strikeout rate. He does not swing and miss on a lot of baseballs, which will be a kind of a welcome sign. He's a guy who puts the ball in play. And uh, as a uh, as a framer, he's and this gets into his defensive ability. And I think that's probably the best way to take this conversation right now. Because again, catchers you're not really expecting a ton of offensive production from. Anyways, here's where Christian Vasquez can really provide his worth to the Twins outside of the durability. The durability is the most important part, but when he actually is behind the plate, his framing is above average. He's not going to blow you away with everywhere around uh, the plate. He's not going to bring back a ton of of balls for strikes, except right at the top of the zone. So that very top third of the plate, he's top five in baseball, at uh, top 10 in baseball, at bringing that, uh, bringing that ball and bringing it down, getting it called a strike. He's top 10 in baseball at doing that. So uh, Vasquez will be really good in that regard. But I think framing is fine. I think framing gets a little bit, overplayed, but it's important. It is very important in today's game. Uh, Where I think the next important thing people are going to look at in catchers, and the Twins have already looked in this direction, is base stealers. How do you throw out a guy who's trying to steal? And if you look at the slider on BaseballSavant.com, he is uh, very good at getting up out of his crouch and throwing down 
to second base. That's one of the best skills that Christian Vasquez has as a catcher. In terms of caught stealing, he threw out 19 guys last season, and his percentage was top five in baseball at throwing runners out. Now, I don't have the data in front of me to prove it, uh, to, to prove it, but if anecdotally watching the Twins last season, it just felt like they could never get a base stealer out. People had the green light against the Twins all the time, whether it was Gary Sanchez, whether it was Ryan Jeffers, whether it was Sandy Leone, people were stealing on the Twins, and that was something that predated even to Garver, because the Twins, as they redid their catching philosophy, prioritized framing, and said, ah, people don't steal enough anymore, so we're going to be fine. But baseball was already starting to turn around on stealing. If you watch the movie Moneyball, one of the big points in the game was that Billy Bean didn't want his guys stealing bases, because he said, I pay you to get on first base, I don't pay you to get thrown out at second. And because of that, Teams then countered by saying, okay, cool. Well, like, we're not going to worry about our catchers throwing guys out. So if you look at Garver's stance when he was with the Twins, he'd be in some positions that it's, like, impossible to even try and throw a guy out at second base. Like, you're just giving that up because you think teams aren't going to try and steal at all. And now, as the case, teams are starting to steal more. And teams are really going to start stealing more now that the pitch clock is going to come in next season. And not only with the pitch clock, there's also going to be a rule that you can only uh, pick. Uh, you can only have two pickoff attempts uh, per pitch. I, I believe is how that works. Uh, because the whole point is that the pitch clock resets when you step off and throw to first base. Uh, but as a way to avoid the pitch clock. Base of, as a way to avoid circumventing the pitch clock, you only get two pickoff attempts before, and then the third one, if you don't get the runner out, it's a block, and the guy gets an extra base. So basically, pitchers are not going to throw back a third time. It is going to incentivize base stealing, which is what the league wants, which means the Twins are going to have to get better in that category, whether Falvey and Levine really want to or not. And Christian Vasquez is one of the best catchers in the league at popping out of his stance and throwing a bullet over to second base and getting the guy out. And I think that's going to be very important. Again, the durability is number one for Christian Vasquez to have a starting caliber catcher in the lineup every night or at least available to be paired up with Ryan Jeffers. So that is the big thing with Vasquez. I think those are the three things. It's durability, his offense, his ability to hold his own at the plate as a bottom three of the order hitter, and third is his defensive ability at catcher, which really comes in his ability to keep runners in check on the base paths. Going to be more important now than in the last 20 years of baseball to make sure that you have a competent guy doing that. Now, whether any of that rubs off on Jeffers, who knows? I'm not saying that him being in the room is going to make him rub off and and all of a sudden Jeffers is going to be throwing guys out left and right. They might still steal a lot on Ryan Jeffers, but when Christian Vasquez is in there, I mean, that's a late-game substitution. Let's say Vasquez is on the bench and Jeffers is... Uh, the full-time catcher, but it's now the seventh inning in a one-run game, you're probably going to see Vasquez sub in to catch because if a guy gets on base, they're, you're going to want a guy who can throw out a potential base stealer in the late innings in a in a close game. So there, that's one way how this this could come about. But one thing is, how is this going to work with Jeffers? Because Jeffers is only 25 years old. The Twins aren't giving up on Ryan Jeffers by any stretch of the imagination. It's a three-year deal with Vasquez. So they're going to have to figure this out. He's going to be here for a while. That's at least what the Twins hope. So the way I see things breaking down, 
with getting paid $10 million a year, again, it sounds like a lot, but I still don't think it marries the Twins into having Vasquez be the everyday catcher and Jeffers as the backup. I think this split time is going to end up being like 60-40 Vasquez is going to catch more games, at least if everything goes right on paper. Now, injuries to either Vasquez or Jeffers could play a role in that, but that's the hedge of having two starting caliber catchers on your team is that you can kind of, one, ride the hot hand, meaning when Vasquez plays well, Jeffers ain't playing a ton, and when Jeffers is in the lineup and is hitting well, Vasquez maybe gets a chance to breathe a little bit, and it's a chance to keep both players healthy. It's a chance to uh, put both players in more advantageous positions. Maybe you uh, figure out the DH role, and maybe Vasquez gets a lot of time at DH if he can if he hits really well. Maybe Jeffers gets more time at designated hitter. Uh, as we said before, uh, Vasquez can play a little bit of first base, so. There, there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of dichotomy you can mix in. There's a little bit of different ways you can go about it. I think Vasquez is initially is going to get more playing time, or at least by the through the first half of the season, you'll see Vasquez with more of that. And then maybe as the season goes on, maybe if Jeffers, let's say, all of a sudden everything clicks and he starts to become just this all around great catcher, then you say awesome and then he slowly takes over, and then the Twins either can trade Vasquez, or uh, then you just kind of keep the co-op catching a thing uh, through the remainder of this tenure, because Vasquez is 32 years old, so he's going to be 35 by the time the contract ends. Even if you're paying a backup catcher $10 million, if if it turns into 60-40 Jeffers with more playing time, I think the Twins will gladly take that, especially because Jeffers is still under team control, and you don't quite have to to pay two catchers that much money. So I think in terms of cost, it kind of evens out. It'll be interesting to see how this split goes, because there was a piece by Aaron Gleeman, came out in the last couple days talking about the Twins' pursuit of Vasquez, and how they're going to have to do one of two things, or they're going to have to do two things. One they already did, which was give him a three-year contract. The other thing they were going to have to do was proved it was get him sold on the idea of of playing with Jeffers, and maybe not playing with Jeffers specifically, but just the fact of that Vasquez wants starter. He wants to be a starter. He's signing a contract, going into a team. He wants to be the main catcher. And how is that dichotomy going to work with Ryan Jeffers? And what happens when Jeffers, what happens if Jeffers plays well for a whole month more than Vasquez? Are the twins going to drastically limit when Vasquez is in the lineup? Are they going to retool uh, how they view things, how they view their arrangement? There's, it just kind of depends. Baseball's a very long season. Things usually work themselves out and play themselves out. But again, if let's say Vasquez maybe gets outplayed by Ryan Jeffers so throughout the course of the year, does he get unhappy and demand a trade? I don't know. Based on what I've read from Vasquez, it seems like he's a good clubhouse guy. Seems like people like him. Seems like he's a good teammate. So that helps out. Ultimately, I think this is a good signing for the Twins. I'm not going to say it's a World Series winning move, but I think if you're a a team that wants to win the division like the Minnesota Twins want to do in 2023, this is a move you have to make. You can't get uh, Bobby Wilson to be your backup catcher and say, all right, let's go make the playoffs, boys. This is a move the Twins had to make. They were never really in on Contreras. There were the Tucker Barnharts. There were the Omar Navarez. There was a Sean Murphy who just got traded to Atlanta from Oakland. And then there was the three catchers um, that the Blue Jays had that you could have went after. 
um, Danny Jansen, Alejandro Kirk, I think, and, and, and there was one other name that escapes me for uh, Toronto, if I have those names right. But there were other options, but I think based on how the Twins have already kind of uh, bled their farm system a little bit at last year's trade deadline, that free agency was going to be the play. I don't see the Twins making a ton of trades that don't involve trading for example, Max Kepler. There's not a lot of those kind of moves out there where the Twins trade Brooks Lee or Rice Lewis or Austin Martin or Jordan Belazovic or something. Uh, I, I think that the Twins pretty much have to hang on to all the prospects they have because they still don't have a, a ton right now. Now, maybe they get a good draft pick because the Twins ended up winning the draft lottery, which are not winning the draft lottery, but they did. they outkicked their coverage in the lottery because they ended up getting the number five overall pick Awesome. 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 The twins have a chance in a nice talent loaded draft to go get somebody. They, uh, in, in, if you can judge a draft pick by the first year they've played in the minor leagues, the twins got an absolute steal in Brooks Lee, who has already risen to be the twins. Number one prospect, uh, who could, if let's say Carlos Correa doesn't come to Minnesota and, and things, things play out in Brooks Lee's favor. He could be on the big league roster. So that is something that we also need to keep in mind. So they're like, that's a very good draft pick for them. My point is if they get another good draft pick, it helps out the farm system a ton. But right now the twins are worried about the on-field product right now and trying to get that shortstop in Carlos Correa. There have been a whole bunch of rumors circulating back and forth on where exactly Carlos Correa is going, where... He favors what he has on the table. And right now, when you look at these reports, there is a report just in the last kind of couple hours from Bleacher Report that said, uh, f- that published an article which basically cited a source. According to Jim Bowden of The Athletic, at least six teams are interested in Carlos Correa. The inside track is with the Minnesota Twins and the Chicago Cubs. So that's the two, according to Jim Bowden. There was another report from MLB Network Radio's Steve Phillips. He reported Monday that the Twins and the San Francisco Giants were both favorites for Carlos Correa. So two different teams competing with the Twins, but I think it's a really good sign that the Twins, now whether it's good messaging by the Twins, getting this out there to all the people uh, who are important in the media and letting them know that the Twins are interested and the Twins really want to re-sign Correa. Maybe that's what this is, but Carlos Correa has been involved in nearly every single Twins report. They are down bad for Carlos Correa, and that is awesome. Like If the Twins lose out on Carlos Correa, I don't think it's going to be for lack of effort. I think they're doing everything they can to bring him back to Minnesota. I know they've talked with... Dansby Swanson, and I know that there was a report uh, today that said that the Giants, of all teams, had met with Dansby Swanson, and initially that reporting may seem like, oh, well, the Giants are going to pivot to Swanson, and then they're just going to tell Carlos Correa goodbye. I don't think that's what's happening. I think just like the Twins met with Dansby Swanson last week, you at least want to have some kind of dialogue. That way, if Carlos Correa makes this decision, let's say Carlos Correa goes to the Twins, he comes back. Then the San Francisco Giants have already had dialogue with Dansby Swanson. They can turn around, throw him a contract, and sign him, and and be done, and still get a shortstop for their team. 
I think that's what it is. And the same thing if, if the Twins. If the Twins lose out on Correa, they've already had talks with Dansby, and they can pivot and do that. Now, I believe Dansby Swanson does not have the same agent as Scott Boris. So that'll also be interesting to see how things play out as well. But with the Carlos Correa reporting, I don't know, guys. Like, I'm trying to not be, like, the drinking the Twins Kool-Aid here, but this is a lot of really good signs if you're hoping the Twins bring back Carlos Correa. And by the way, you should be hoping the Twins bring back Carlos Correa because he is a top-five shortstop in the game of baseball. I know last season wasn't ideal uh, for Carlos Correa. I know he had some bumps and bruises, but if you look at his entire stat line from last season, he still had a, a solid year. It was a not it was not great by Carlos Correa standards, but by anybody else in the league, if you look at a league average shortstop, they would take the season that Carlos Correa just produced. Carlos Correa had there was some tough things. He had the, the nearly breaking his finger and missing most of the season. He avoided that. Yeah, but he still had the weird time missed with COVID. It took him a while to get going in the season. Now, part of that is because he didn't sign until late March. So he basically had no time to prepare against live pitching and get thrown into the fire of a big league season. So give Carlos Correa another year, plus his first year in a new organization ever since being a professional ball player. Uh, so I think if you give Carlos Correa another year in Minnesota, things like his lack of ability to hit with runners in scoring position. I've said this before on this podcast. I'll say it again. It was so bad that there's no way it stays that bad. He just had a bad year in that regard. It's going to go back to the average. Even if you think Carlos Correa didn't have a great season last year, he's a good enough pro and he has so much body of work of consistently good baseball that he's going to have a bounce back season. It might as well be for the Minnesota Twins. I know if you're maybe a more casual Twins fan, maybe you look at Carlos Correa and say, why do we need this guy? He wasn't that good. He was all hype. He was making so much money and he couldn't do anything. I, I get I get the general frustration, but give it. let him come back here and prove you wrong. Give him that opportunity because, man, Carlos Correa is a special, special baseball player. He's He fits really well with this team, and I would just love to see him back in Minnesota. Also, by the way, just what the signing means and shows that, one, the Twins can go get big free agents, and two, it means we can expect Derek Falvey and Thad Levine to be in on some of these negotiations for big-time free agents down the line. Let's say Carlos Correa signs a seven-year deal with a three-year opt-out. Uh, with an opt-out after year three, and he's gone. Now the Twins have all this money. Well, now they can go get another big-name free agent. The Twins have already done that. If the Twins miss out on Carlos Correa, there's no reason why they shouldn't sign Dansby Swanson. I know Dan Dansby Swanson's a good player, but a clear step down from Carlos Correa in defensive ability, in the power numbers, in just pure contact. Uh, Carlos Correa is better than Dansby Swanson. So, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I think basically it proves that the Twins are in on this thing and they're committed. They have way too much money to spend. They still have $40 million to get where their payroll was last season. So they can afford this. They've already signed a $10 million a year catcher. Great. You're not done there. We're not to, we're not to have a freaking offseason Twins level quite yet. But I, I mean, I just... 
think Carlos Correa coming back would mean a lot for this team. You guys know how I feel about Carlos Correa. And I think that I think everything is pointing in the direction for the Twins. They're always in on these reports. The Twins are the only team to have given a firm offer to Correa, at least by reporting. Unless I'm missing something from a San Francisco or a Chicago beat writer, it appears that the Twins are the only team who has given an offer or has a firm offer on the table for Carlos Correa. Now, all of that can change. All it takes is the Giants owner giving them the go-ahead to spend an extra $10 million, and then things change. Like, in these contract negotiations, the Twins basically courted Carlos Correa in like a day. So, nothing is set in stone, but it's just a really good sign. And also the fact that this boils down to the Twins, the Giants, and the Cubs. I think those are the three teams in on Carlos Correa. The Red Sox ain't spending that money. The Yankees just committed to judge. They're trying to go after the starting pitcher, Carlos Rodon. They're not giving that money to Carlos Correa. One, they have internal shortstop options. And also, Hal Steinbrenner isn't his dad. He's not going to spend that money. And also, would the Yankees even want Carlos Correa there, being a notable Houston Astro? The Los Angeles Dodgers, there were reports with them being in the mix. But one... Again, he's a, the Dodgers clubhouse would not want him there for being a Houston Astro. And secondly, the Dodgers have bigger fish to fry. The Dodgers are gearing up for a potential run at Shohei Otani next season. That's their prized fish. And good on them because they will probably get him. But they're not interested in Carlos Correa right now. That is not their top priority, and that's to the benefit of the Twins, the San Francisco Giants, and the Chicago Cubs. The Twins have a better roster than the Cubs and a better farm system. So there's, outside of being in Chicago, and maybe the ability to outspend them, which I don't think the Cubs' ownership really wants to do either, I I think the Twins can beat the Cubs. I think the Twins can muster together a good enough offer. Plus, the Twins are in a more advantageous division in the AL Central, although the NL Central isn't exactly uh, uh, firing on all cylinders either. The Cubs and the Brewers, again, appear to be those two teams out on top. The Reds are really bad. The Cubs are still floundering around, and the Pirates haven't been relevant in a decade now. So maybe you could say advantageous division there, but I think the Twins have the better overall structure they have the better prospect pool they have a better roster at the big league level and Carlos Correa cares about that stuff money and years are going to be the thing that ultimately land him but if they're similar the twins have those uh, behind them and then it all comes down to the Chicago uh, uh, to the San Francisco Giants who again they have an older roster they play in a division with the Dodgers, with a Diamondbacks team that's going to be good, with a Padres team, by the way, that's going to be really good, who just signed Xander Bogarts last week to a massive extension. So the Twins are going to have to pay Carlos Correa basically an 11-year deal worth $300 million. I think a little bit more than Trey Turner probably is the framework. I think somewhere in that 11-year deal uh, worth uh, I think Trey Turner's deal was 11 years, $300 million. I think somewhere in that ballpark, the Twins are going to need, it's going, it's going to be a deal more than seven years. You're not going to sign him to a five-year extension. That's not what he's looking for. He is looking for life-changing money, and it's probably going to be $300 million. The Twins of which can afford 
they can afford, even if they have a couple other guys to spend on. The Polad family is the eighth richest owner in baseball, the Polad family. So they have... I'm not one of those cheap Polad guys spend your entire fortune to build the baseball team. I'm just saying they have the cash and don't pretend like they don't. And I think what it's going to take to get Carlos Correa done is it's just going to be a lot of mo- it's it's going to be money and years. That's what's going to break it down. How much money is he making a year and how many years is this deal? The Twins you've heard it all the time that they're going to have to get creative in what they want to do and get creative with the years and get creative with the salary and get creative with all that and maybe that's the path but they're going to have if they get straight up get into a bidding war with the Giants or with the Cubs they're probably going to lose but if they can give Carlos Correa that opt out after the 3rd year which I think has been floated around by a few different people maybe that's it Maybe that is the play, because if you're Carlos Correa, you're 28 right now, you'd hit the free agent market again at age 31, Xander Bogarts was at age 30, and he got the massive uh, deal from the San Diego Padres, that was 11 years, $280 million, so I th- it'll work out, I think, if you're Carlos Correa, basically it's three-year deal, you're going to get paid a bunch of money, you can opt back in and keep things rolling, or if you want to go and make more money again, by all means, hop on and do it, and you can get more money, you could potentially pay yourself into a raise, or if you want, you can just keep making money with the Minnesota Twins, maybe that's the play, and if you're the Twins, maybe you're okay with that, because maybe you say in three years, we'll see where we're at with Royce Lewis and Brooks Lee, and we can patchwork it together that way, if we can, but if we can get Carlos Correa in this window and build the team around him with this next crop of the Kirilovs and the Larnicks and the Lewises and the Lees and Mirandas and all of these guys coming up and playing well I think and this next core with Byron Buxton leading the team uh, Carlos Cray and Byron Buxton I think that is something that you can get excited about if you're a Minnesota Twins fan and then if he leaves in three years he leaves in three years that I'm fine. I think that might be the play to get Carlos Correa. But as of these rumors circulating around, I just think it's favorable to the Twins. I think the market is breaking in the Twins' favor, and once the Yankees re-signed Judge, I didn't think that was good. I thought the the Giants were quickly going to pivot. I thought maybe when Bogarts uh, went to the Padres... One, it was good the Padres were off the board, but I thought maybe the Red Sox or or somebody would get involved and go poach him. That hasn't happened yet. The Texas Rangers used all their money to go sign Jacob DeGrom, and they're paying Marcus Simeon and, and Seager, so they they clearly didn't need a shortstop, but you know if you're just a team that's willing just to spend money, uh, you're going to just go get guys and figure it out. But my point is, is that if it's between the Giants and the Cubs, not that the Twins are the clear favorites, but I just like their chances. And I think the Twins are in good position to, to re-sign Correa. They have the money. They have the. I think that year of Carlos Correa being in Minnesota means more than maybe some people who aren't Twins fans. If you're just a, if you're just a, a guy who doesn't, let's say you're a Cubs fan, you look at Correa and you go, well, Correa clearly didn't want to be there. He opted out after the contract. Why didn't he stay for a couple extra years? One, that was stupid. He was always going to opt out and try and get the big bag in free agency. The the opt-in years were in case he got hurt. That was all it was. And 
So if you think that he left because he didn't want to be there or he was unhappy, that's not true. He clearly enjoyed being a Minnesota twin. It wasn't lip service when he talked about his relationship with Rocco Baldelli and Byron Buxton and being a mentor to Royce Lewis and and to fellow Puerto Rican uh, uh, Jose Miranda. So it's things like that that really helped the Twins, that he's been there before. Maybe the Twins tell him he can have some kind of influence in the front office, kind of like he did at the trade deadline. It was his uh, you know, going to get Lopez, the closer at the trade deadline, was a big Carlos Correa saying, I like this guy, let's go get him on our baseball team. Maybe that's what it takes to get Carlos Correa. I just think the market is breaking in favor of the Minnesota Twins. So there you go. That's that's my breakdown on what's been happening with the Twins. A couple uh, minor notes. They've signed uh, a couple guys to some minor league contracts. Here and there doesn't mean too much. They're all just kind of flyers on some of these guys. Uh, f- for the Twins, one was that uh, they got uh, De Leon, uh, which was a big uh, Jose De Leon, which was a prospect that the Twins were looking for uh, in the Brian Dozier trade. That was one uh, who who the Twins really wanted to get at the time, one of the top prospects in baseball. Uh, now they get him on a minor league contract. So we'll see how that one uh, plays out for uh, the team. And again, as we're just looking at more trade rumors, Carlos Rodon uh, favoring the Yankees. I think it's unlikely the Twins get both Rodon and Carlos Correa. Although if the like they're in on, they're firmly in, they're close. Now the Twins can just keep flying around that they have the salary flexibility to pay him a lot of money. That's basically the Twins' biggest pitch: is that we can offer you thirty million dollars a season to be our to be our ace. And if the Twins do that, the starting if Sonny Gray is your third best starting pitcher, it's a nice rotation. For the Minnesota Twins. But if they re-sign Carlos Correa, do the Twins bounce out of the do the Twins bow out of the Carlos Rodon? That's probably the likely scenario. If the Twins get Correa, they're out on Rodon and they move on and their offseason's pretty much done in terms of free agency. Now, if the Twins miss out on Correa, then they're going to ramp up and make sure that they go sign Carlos Rodon. Because remember, the Twins didn't get Zach Wheeler after the 2019 season uh, in free agency. And their pivot from missing out on the number one starting pitcher was to go sign Josh Donaldson. So the Twins are just like, we have all this money. We're going to go use it. Even if it's not the number one area of need for our team, we still feel like it's going to make us better, and we're just going to go use that money and go get him. So Carlos Rodon could be that guy. Step step back with me from reality for a second, and just imagine if the Minnesota Twins were able to sign Carlos Rodon and... Carlos Correa. They brought in both the Carloses. That would be, in terms of this trend gets overused on the Twins, in terms of have a freaking offseason meter, this would be, it would break the offseason. It'd be Parisi suitor level. That's been the thing thrown about on social media, but that's the probably the best comp. It's like, uh, um, trying to think of maybe Vikings free agent signings, but I, I can't even think of multiple guys coming off the board and being brought into the Twins. Uh, but it would be the biggest offseason in team history if they were able to land both Carlos Rodon and Carlos Correa because 
that is a really good baseball team if you get both of those guys. Carlos Correa is one of the best shortstops in the game. Carlos Rodon is a number one pitcher, which means Joe Ryan isn't your number one pitcher. It means Tyler Malley isn't your number one pitcher. It means Sonny Gray isn't. And all those guys bump down a spot. And all of a sudden, your rotation is Carlos Rodon, then Joe Ryan, then Tyler Malley, then Sonny Gray, and then whoever. Maybe it's Kenta Maeda on the fifth spot. Maybe it's Josh Winder. Maybe it's Bailey Ober. Maybe it's Chris Paddock. But that's my point. If all those guys are fighting to be the fifth starter, that's really good. If Sonny Gray is your fourth starter, you have a really good rotation. Because some teams, Sonny Gray would be their best starter. Now, those aren't playoff teams, but that's my point. Is you have a guy who's a good starter at the number four spot, it means your team is in pretty good position. Carlos Rodon isn't in like the the top of the league ace, but he would be an ace. He would be the Twins number 1 starting pitcher far and away. So that would be that would be the play if you're Minnesota to get both of those guys. Your dream offseason. And having those guys makes the team better. It makes the pitching better. Carlos Correa just rounds out the lineup. Again, you have the Buxton Arise, Polanco uh, kind of top 4 hitters on your team. Hopefully a full season of Kirilov and Larnick being healthy is really good in the middle of your lineup. Jose Miranda taking another step. Whatever happens with Max Kepler happens with Max Kepler. Even still, again, every team needs a good seven hitter and needs a good nine hitter. Kepler could provide that. My point is that just now those are two big names to bring in. So I'm not saying that that's eminent, but imminent, eminent, whatever. But if it happens, Oh boy, the Twins would be Twins would have to be favorites to win the American League Central. But I think I've rambled enough. Uh, this has been Bombs Away, a Minnesota sports podcast. We're going to have another podcast hopefully coming out a little bit later this week. Stay tuned for that. Until then, we'll see if the Twins have any more breaking news. Hopefully, I have to come back on as soon as possible and do a Carlos Correa emergency podcast. Until then, I'm CJ Baumgartner. See you next time.